Well, today we're beginning a brand new series called Unshackled, Unshackled, Finding Financial Freedom. So congratulations if this is your first time at Meadow Park or you're joining in online. We are talking about money at church, everyone's favorite topic. Oh, some people are like, why does the church talk about money? Why does that make us uncomfortable? Why do we sometimes think like, oh, the, we need to talk about spiritual things in church, like prayer and worship and, and heaven and, and how to live in, 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 you know, as people of faith. Finances, that's like the stuff of this world. That's the stuff of like every day. Like, you know, that's for financial experts. Why do we talk about that stuff in church? And we think that there's a disconnect there, but God says wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also, doesn't it? And he draws a link between our heart and our treasure. And wherever our money goes and our heart goes. And so when our heart and money are linked, we have to look at that because money and stuff competes for our heart. And so that's why we have to talk about that. And the problem isn't that we have money, right? It's that money has us. Let's be honest. There's a big part of that in our lives that we are surrounded and, and we deal with this all the time. Money, finances plays a huge role in our lives. It's hard to go through a day where the topic of money in some way, shape, or form doesn't come up or the use of it. Is that right? I mean, every day, in all the different ways, in all the different times, whether you're hearing on the news, right? Uh, anyone here that has not been impacted by inflation at all, <laughs> right? I mean, we've become experts on what the Fed is going to do next, right? I mean, did you ever know that you would know so much about interest rate hikes and, and how they relate to inflation? And we think about our paychecks. We think about, you know, the, the, the expenses that we have. Some of us are worried about retirement and, and uh, maybe bills we have coming in for health care expenses. So many things. We're constantly thinking about money and saving for the future. And what does that all look like? How do we deal with this? And that's why this topic is so important. It gets to the heart of matters for us. It comes back to trusting God, having faith. Is God who he says he is? Does he promise to do what he will do? Do we have faith in that? Do we trust him to provide? Does he know our needs? And we think in terms of finances to provide for us and trust, and so we understand this is a spiritual issue. And so we have to talk about that together. And what I like about this series and what I think is I want to challenge you on, it's easy to think about this series and when we talk about finances periodically to say like, okay, there's spiritual series and then there's this one that we're going to talk about and maybe I'll learn some good, you know, financial tips and some things I can do, but um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, this isn't a spiritual series. This series, perhaps more than any other series, can impact how you grow spiritually. It's this area of finances, and I want to put it this way, how we handle money either stunts our spiritual growth or accelerates it. And it's, you wouldn't think that a series on finances could do this, but maybe this series more than any other could challenge you to do some growing in leaps and bounds in your faith. Because this is an area that we often protect, that we don't want anyone to speak into, that we don't even want God to speak into. And when we begin to allow God's word to speak into it, things begin to change, and they begin to change for us spiritually. Because money isn't just about math. And that seems counterintuitive, right? Anyone else in the world would say money is about math. <laughs> it's about numbers, right? It's about ROI. It's about net. It's about gross. It's about interest rates. It's about savings accounts. It's about, you know, the, the compounding interest and on and on. It's money. It's dollars and cents. Five dollars is five dollars. You want to double it? It gets ten dollars. One plus one is two. It's math. Why is this spiritual? How do we deal with this? If that was the case, if money was just simply a mathematical issue, 
I think we all probably know a lot of principles. We can cut this series very short. I can wrap up here in just a couple of quick points. Um, spend less than you make. All right? Your, uh, your outflow has to be equal to or less than your inflow. <laughs> Save some extra for the future, for things you want to do later, some bigger projects. Save for retirement. Be generous with other people. Right? And, and just be free from money. Done. End of series. We can all go home now. We have it all mastered because it's just about just the money, right? Just look at the numbers. We all know these things. We all have heard them. We know them from, a, but, but the problem is we don't act on them. So many of us are struggling and we aren't finding that financial freedom. We're struggling through these things. We know it. it's a behavior issue, isn't it? It's not just a math issue, a knowledge issue. It's a behavior issue. It's how do we relate to money? And when it's a behavior issue, it's also a spiritual issue. Because how do we respond? How do we react to those things in our lives, the spiritual struggle that so many of us deal with? And so what we have to do is we have to reprogram the way that we view money, the way that we view finances. There's a reprogramming there. There's a rethinking. There's a way that we approach it from our hearts and our minds that has to change and to say money has a power over us. I think one of the first things we need to admit in this culture, in this society, is that money has power over us. We're preoccupied it with it, especially in America, capitalism, right? Advertising, money, growth, investments. We're surrounded by it all the time. We're fascinated by it. We love to follow the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Great conversation is how much money does Jeff Bezos have, <laughs> right? And we just think about that. Oh, man, did you hear that contract that Joe Burrow signed? You know what the first thing I did is I took, what is it, 255 million? Is that right? Marty, am I right on that? Was that the 275. Ah, see, even more. We know these numbers. You know, the first thing that I did, that was a trick. No, I'm like 275. I'm like, divide that by five years. That comes out to this much per year. Divide that by 360. This guy's making $150,000 a day, right? I mean, that's just, right? I mean, I'm sure some of you guys can relate to that. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, it's crazy. But we're so preoccupied with it, and we think about money and what it could do and, and, and the lotteries when, they, when they're played. Oh, imagine what we could do with all that money. And we get focused on money and what money could do for us and what money would mean in our lives. And first of all, I'm going to disappoint you that this series is not about becoming rich. There may be other churches that teach about the prosperity gospel, and I believe God wants us to have prosperity. There's nothing wrong with being prosperous, but that's not the goal in life. That's not the ultimate thing that we're striving for. I believe if we do and we put God's principles into practice, there are some great financial benefits that can happen in our life. But it's not just about the money. It's about what God does in our heart. And when we're so preoccupied and we think about money and we think about stuff, what ultimately happens is we make money and things a God. And when we make money and things a God, we become slaves to that God. We become slaves to that master over us, the one that, that, that controls us and preoccupies our thoughts and our minds. And what does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24? Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Oh, God, he's talking about just, you know, gods and masters. No, what is he actually talking about here? You cannot serve God and do what? Be enslaved to money. Very specifically, the God he's talking about. And this is not just like something written for today. This has been around for hundreds, right? A couple thousand years. This was the problem in mankind for many, many, many centuries. It's this enslavement. So that's why we're calling this series Unshackled. Shackles. 
We have these shackles, and this is how we feel. We're shackled. We're tied up. We have this thing. Oh, there we go. I'm going to imitate our logo here, right? Except if I put it on my wrist, I may not get it off. So, uh, <laughs> And we think about financial shackles, and we think about this idea, and it's not about finding financial freedom when you have more money than you need. Because we think about financial freedom, if I just have a little bit more. I need a little more money. If I had a little more money, that's when I find financial freedom. The financial freedom that we're going to talk about being unshackled is a change of heart. It's allowing God's freedom to come over our heart. That we lose this bind that, that's on us that, that feels so limiting at different times. How do we break free from these shackles? We think our financial shackles are our limited income. When really, and actually, our financial shackles are our limited faith. And that's why we're talking about that here. How we handle our resources has everything to do with our faith and what God wants to do through us. So, as we look at this series and we think about how do we break free? How do we break free from the financial shackles? My goal is over the next four weeks that you would lean into your finances. That you put those before the Lord and say, okay, God, what can I do? How can I find freedom? And how can I, at the end of these, these weeks, find a path forward according to your word and what you're teaching? But God, how can I approach my money differently? How can I go from broke to hope? <laughs> How can I experience something, God, that, that money doesn't have the hold on me and the preoccupation that I can find some freedom, freedom to do a few things. And so as we look at our series, we're going to look at these four different parts. We're going to start today talking about financially shackled, this idea. We're going to look a little bit further of how are we shackled and what do we do with this idea of not having enough. And then we're going to move to free to live, free to dream, and free to give and bless others. And there's just such a beauty in this being able to live free. And so this is a whole different state of mind in how you approach your, your finances and the things that God has blessed you with. So today, like I said, we're going to start with financially shackled. Financially shackled. How are you financially shackled? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and, 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 and disclose some of these things, but maybe you feel financially shackled because you're saying, it's just not enough. I just can't seem to get through from one to the next. If I miss one paycheck, I'm in trouble. One paycheck goes down, I don't know who to pay, i got to make choices, i got to make decisions here and there. Maybe financially shackled for you means there's things I'd like to do, but I just don't have enough money to do it. There's dreams I have, there's, there's all these ideas I have, but I just don't have enough. Maybe financially shackled means uh, somebody who has a lot of means but is saying, but in my business, there's things I'd like to do and I still don't have enough to take that on. Maybe financially shackled means I'd like to retire, but I have to keep working. I have to make ends meet. There's just not enough there. And for many people, financially shackled just means I'm in debt. There's debt, and it's weighing down on me. I can't pay enough of the bills. I can't seem to do more than the minimum payments. Sometimes I can't even make those. i got to borrow money to do the things in life, and I feel like I'm going in the wrong direction. Financially shackled. Do you know that in America right now that we have reached a new threshold in credit card debt? One trillion dollars. I can't even fathom that number. A trillion dollars, a new record in credit card debt. We love to borrow money. As Dave Ramsey says, right, we use money, we borrow money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. <laughs> and so we borrow, and then credit cards, right, there's been more credit cards issued. We, what did it say here in quarter two? 7.2% of credit card accounts were 30 days overdue, the highest level in 11 years. We're not making it. There's, there's challenges. Here, what about this? The average monthly car payment at a new height, $725 for a new car, $528 for a used car. 
I hope you like how you're driving. This would be the steering wheel on some of your cars. Don't I look good? Can't do anything because I got this great car. Right? We're shackled to these things. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. All right, that phrase has been around for a long time, and I don't think any of us consciously do this. We're not like, oh, I'm just trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? But we, but we have this idea that we see things around. We look and we see, what do I do? What do my neighbors have? We see their cars that they pull in the driveway. We see the renovations that they're doing in their house. And then we have this joy and this beautiful thing on, you know, on our phones. We follow people on Facebook and on Instagram and on social media. And man, this past week, I just, I got to enjoy this beautiful cruise on the Adriatic through my friend (laughs) who was there on a catamaran with friends enjoying beautiful meals and sunsets. And I'm happy for him. I really am. (laughs) I hope he's shackled. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure he paid cash for it. But, you know, we see other people, and what does it do? It causes the discontent in us. We think, man, I would like that. I would like to have that car. I'd like to have that house. Oh, they got a new phone, right? iPhone 15 is out. Hello? Hello? (laughs) But you got to have it, but I'm paying for it over four years. We have, I mean, it's crazy, right? So there's so many different things, and, and we're trying to keep up. But you know what? The Joneses are broke. (laughs) If the Joneses are average Americans, they're broke. And what we're often fronting, the people that actually typically have the most money, you don't even know it. (laughs) You don't even see it. But it's often it's trying to impress and trying to keep up with culture that we go into debt and that we find ourselves being shackled. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. They're broke. And don't be the Joneses. But be the new Joneses. The new Joneses have replaced their expensive $500, $700 monthly car payment with a reliable used car. Sure, it may break down, but it doesn't have $6,000 to $8,000 of repairs every single year. They don't live maybe in the, the biggest or fanciest home, but it's a mortgage that they can afford. Maybe as they look at their, their life, they're, they're buying some things on sale and on clearance, and if God provides, they're able to do a little bit more, but you know what? They're, they're not flashy. They're not showy with what they have. It's not about presenting to other people. It's just about being faithful. They seem to have a generosity, and more in the way w- what you see, there seems to be a different attitude in them about money. It doesn't seem to have a hold on them. They find ways to be generous. They don't flaunt it to others. We probably don't even know about the generosity of, of the new Joneses because they just meet needs. They allow God to use them in some amazing ways. When it comes to, you know, just their, their future and when it comes to the decisions in their life, it seems like God is blessing them with all kinds of coincidences that just seem to happen in their lives. They call it blessings. They call it God's provision. There's a faithfulness there, and we would like to see God do that in our lives. How can we learn to be more generous? How can we learn to be free from these financial shackles? And so I want to talk about that. Because that's how it changes, and, and it begins with this idea of not having enough. I think that's where so many of us begin. It's not enough. Let me ask you this question. How much is enough? How much is enough? Tell your neighbor right now. Tell them how much is enough. What's enough? Well, how much is enough financially? How much is enough? <laughs> Can I answer this question for us? Just a little more. Right? Just a little more. It almost seems like that, that, that so many that of us focus and think about no matter how much you have, you can be wealthy, you can have a lot, but just, if I had just a little bit more, I bet you Jeff Bezos wonders, if I had just a little bit more, 
Imagine that I could conquer the entire universe, right? I mean, I just need a little bit more to get over to the next planet or whatever we want to invade or set up space, right? I mean, there's always the sense that, that there's not enough. And so what we want to look at is what is you're not enough? When you look at what you have, we want to look at that today. And I want to look at a story that we're going to look at not only today, but we're going to look at over the next four weeks. It's kind of the backdrop story for this, this series of, of living free. And we're going to look at that story. It's in Mark chapter 6. And one of the things that we're looking at in this, this story is Jesus um, is with his disciples. They've just come back from a, from a ministry tour. God had sent, Jesus had sent them out. And so they came back and they were tired and they were, um, you know, they just had spent a lot of energy doing the things that they were doing. They were hungry. And Jesus saw that and said, let's get away to a quiet place. Let's get some rest. Let's, let's recharge. And uh, so they got in the boat uh, as they were off by the lake and they were going to go somewhere else. But Jesus was pretty popular. He was a pretty big deal at this time. And the crowds were pressing in on him. And so he got on the boat, and they were like, let's just get away. And the disciples were like, thank you, Jesus. We just need a break. So they're going along the, the, the shore, and the crowds are following. And the crowds are following, and the word gets around, and they kind of, maybe they knew where they were going. Because when they landed, there were hundreds, thousands of people waiting to hear from Jesus. And the disciples were like, oh, Jesus, please, just can you send them away? We just need a break. And the Bible says Jesus had compassion on them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He wanted to teach them. He wanted to spend some time. So he got out of the boat and he began to teach them. It said thousands came. There were 5,000 men plus women and children, a massive crowd. And so here they are, and Jesus is having compassion. Jesus is teaching them. And then the disciples face the dilemma. It's getting late in the afternoon. The disciples are tired. They're still hungry. And they come to Jesus, and it says this in verse 35. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. <laughs> they just want to be done. Send them home. God, here's, a, you know, here's what we can do. Uh, they're gonna, it's going to be great for the local economy when a big tour like Jesus comes through. I mean, all these local villages, they're going to feed these people, and they're going to buy you know, merchandise and you know, Jesus tour. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be so much going on. Jesus, just send them away so we can be done. But Jesus wanted to do something. He wanted to teach them something. He wanted to show them something. I think he wanted to, to open their eyes to a new reality. But sometimes, if we're in the disciples' shoes, we realize that sometimes there's just not enough. That's what the disciples realize. There's, there's not enough. <laughs> Look at these people. They're hungry. They're thirsty. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We don't even have enough for ourselves. Sometimes there is just not enough. People are hungry. People are always around. There's always needs. Even as a church, there's always needs. There's, there's things in our lives. We always have something else that we can't seem to meet the need. And, and so we have a plan for Jesus. And I love this here. We always have a plan for how Jesus can solve our financial challenges, don't we? I bet you every one of us has a plan for how Jesus can solve our financial challenge right now. And we have ideas like, you know, God, if I just got a, if I got a raise, that would help. If I got a new job, that would help. Maybe, God, you can help me win the lottery. That, that would help. So that, that's going to be God's blessing. You know how many times I've heard from people saying, if I win the lottery, man, I'm going to bless this church? Don't wait till you win the lottery to bless the church and the kingdom of God, okay? If we did, we wouldn't be in this place if the people of God did that. We always have a plan. We hope that we step on a creaky floorboard in our house and we pull it up, there's gold bars. God, surely you can do that. Surely I have a wealthy relative that I didn't know about, and when they pass away, I'm going to get some inheritance. We always have a plan for God, and it usually involves the human economy and how we want to solve this. But Jesus throws them for the loop. He has a plan, too. You know what Jesus' plan is? He says it in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, 37. Jesus said, you feed them. 
12 disciples and Jesus, 5,000 plus people. They didn't even have a lunch to eat for themselves. 5,000 plus people. Jesus says, you feed them. Faith crisis. <laughs> At this point, you're kind of struggling. What's going on? How do we do this? And sometimes I think as a church, we would feel, Jesus, what are you calling us to do? How is it possible for us to do what you've called us to do in the kingdom? Maybe you feel like in your own life, how do I even meet the needs, the challenges that I have? God, I don't have enough. What can I do? It's impossible. And so the disciples, they respond, right? In Mark, uh, verse 37, with what they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. With what? Some of, some of us, that's exactly how we feel in our financial situation. How am I supposed to pay this bill? How am I supposed to cover this? How am I supposed to pay for my kids in college? How can I pay for all the diapers and formula? How am I able to retire? How am I able to travel? How am I able to do these things? How can my business go forward without the resources? With what? We focus on what we don't have. That's our nature. That's why we feel like it's not enough. I focus, this is what I don't have, God. This is what, it's not available, it's not enough. And, and so they come back, right? We'd have to work for months. They're doing the math. They're doing human economy again. 5,000 people plus women and children per family. That's this many dollars and this many meals. And if we go through the towns, da, 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 six months' wages. Not enough, God. Obviously, Jesus, it's not possible. But Jesus asked them a different question. Verse 38, how much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. We focus on what we don't have. Jesus focuses on what we do have. Go take an inventory. Go find out. What, what do you have? What's available to you? What do you, you know, what's, what's in your bank account right now? What kind of job do you have? There's some stocks that you had from time ago that you're, even, that you're not even aware of. What kind of talents do you have? What abilities have I given you? Do you still have some strength left in your arms and in your mind, in your heart? What, what do you have available to you? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have a car that at least gets you from point A to point B? It may not be luxurious, but what do you have? We focus on what we don't have. Jesus focuses on what we do have. And then they came back, verse 38. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. I wonder if they went like, uh, Jesus? <laughs> See this? Five loaves of bread and two fish. Hey, you want us to check what we have. We were faithful. We were obedient. Jesus here. That's it. There's not enough here, is there? I wonder if they were pretty embarrassed <laughs> to bring that to Jesus. Or at least saying, see, Jesus, I think we've made our point. Can we now send the people home? <laughs> There's obviously not enough food here. You know, appreciate your confidence in us, but um, we can't do it. It's woefully insufficient to meet this need. And so what were they feeling? What were you feeling that moment? We've maybe heard the story, know the outcome, but if you're the disciples and thinking, what are you doing that moment? I mean, I think the point is made, story's over. Send these people home. It's time to get on with our day. And, and maybe, maybe there's just these, these five loaves of bread and two fish. Maybe they're enough to feed the disciples, but we feel kind of embarrassed because we have to steal some boys' lunch. And that doesn't feel good. But Jesus, you asked us to inventory what we have, so, so here it is. So when we feel shackled by it not enough, we might feel stuck. We might feel overwhelmed. We might just look at what's in front of us and go, it's just not possible. Sometimes there's just not enough. But here's the second point. Surrender your not enough into Jesus' hands. That's why this becomes a spiritual issue. Surrender your not enough into Jesus' hands. What did they do? They gave him the five bags of Wonder Bread, right? And a couple filet of fish sandwiches. And they're like, all right, Jesus, see, what can you do? What can you do? That represented everything they have. It's an act of surrender. 
And surrender is a step of risk. It's a, it, in some ways, you go, what, what is the risk there? But the risk is, if I give even my not enough, then I'll have nothing, right? And that's why we struggle to even give God our not enough. God, why would you even ask for what little I have? And so we hold on to even the little we have, the things that we think are not enough, and go, God, why, why would I surrender that? And he's saying, just turn it over, put it into God's hands, and see what begins to happen. One day, Jesus was in the temple, and he was watching people as they put their money into the offering boxes. There was, uh, there was people that had means, and they were putting in you know, larger amounts of money, and maybe even with some fanfare, who knows. But then this poor woman, this widow came. She dropped in a couple coins. I wonder if they heard the clanking. And I wonder if people thought, ah, oh, what is that difference is that going to make? But Jesus, first of all, it's kind of interesting that Jesus was watching what people were giving. Isn't that kind of interesting? I wonder if he cares. Um, or if he sees. But he said, this woman and her poverty gave more than all the others they gave out of their surplus didn't didn't hurt them didn't cost them it didn't there's no surrender in that it was good she gave out of her poverty all she had and he saw her faithfulness he saw that surrender and he saw something in that woman that happens this power of when we give when we give out of what we have and we're fear like god i have not enough how can i do that how can god ask that from me and this is where we get stuck but let me make this point to you very clear today god can't bless what we don't surrender to him. God, bless me. Lord, bless my life. We pray blessing, 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 but yet we are not willing to surrender to God. God can't bless what we don't surrender. So he's saying, give it over, surrender. But God, it won't be enough if I give, if I tithe, if I help others, if I, if I try to do what you've called me to do. It's not enough even for me. And the disciples felt that same tension. There's just not enough to give. But here's one of my favorite parts of the story, and I didn't recognize this for quite a few years. And it happens in this next phrase. You know, Jesus didn't say to them, oh, you know, you're, you're right, you're right, you're right, guys. There's not enough. Just, just send them home. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Crazy. <laughs> just had this idea that maybe there'd be enough here to feed everybody. That's not what happened. Jesus looks at the disciples. He looks at the bread and the fish, and he says this, verse 39. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. You look at that verse and you go, why is that verse so exciting? <laughs> What's Jesus telling the disciples to do? He's starting to tell them, like, start organizing the people into groups. Why? Why, Jesus? Are you going to, like, dismiss them by groups uh, to go home in the villages? What's going on? Here's the third point. Give Jesus your not enough and prepare for the miracle. They didn't know yet what was going to happen. They didn't know how it was all going to play out. But in that moment, Jesus is saying just guys, just, just start, start organizing them into groups. Let's get this thing organized a little bit here. I, I got something. I got, I, I'm, I got, I'm working on something. And what were the disciples feeling in that moment? Were they, this, this unsure of, of, of what's going on. Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing in this moment? But they were being prepared. He was telling them prepared. I wonder if they went up to these groups of 50 or 100 and people asking, like, why are we doing this? And they're like, oh, we might have, like, communion. <laughs> Little pieces of bread and a little bit of fish. Maybe we can make this go, stretch it all the way. I mean, it might be some kind of, I don't know what's going on. But, but Jesus asked us to do it. So in obedience, we're going to do that. So they surrendered to Jesus. They're not enough. They started getting people together. They were beginning to prepare for the miracle. That's faith. That's faith. That's trust. That doesn't go human economy. That doesn't add up in math. God, we're going to give you our not enough. But God, I want to know what you're going to do with it. And this is what we do when we surrender. This is what when we, when we tithe, when we give, when we surrender all of our finances to God and say, God, speak into every part of it. I want you 
to have the lordship in my life over my finances. And this is where this all begins. And so we're going to stop the story here this week because this is the tension the disciples were in too. It's not always the easy resolution. It's not always the easy answer now. If you've been around, you know, the church or the world long enough, you probably know it's called the feeding of the 5,000, the story. It's not called the starvation of the 5,000, the sending them home back to the villages. So we know, spoiler alert, right? They're going to be fed. But in that moment, the disciples could not have known that. They had no idea. And so that moment, they're stepping out in obedience. They're giving Jesus what's there. They still don't know how it's going to happen, but they do move forward in faith. And so as we think about this for us, what do we do with what God's given us? Remember, our financial shackles are not just our limited income. It's our limited faith. And so what is God calling us to do no matter where we're at? And again, it doesn't matter how much money we have, the not enough, the stress, the things that we feel, the shackles that we have, our heart attitude towards money. How do we surrender that to Jesus? How do we say, God, I lay it down. I give it to you. I'm going to prepare for the miracle. I'm just going to surrender it into your hands because God, you can't bless what I don't give you because it's not because God's a mean guy. He's just saying if you don't want to surrender it, if you don't want to trust me with it, then fine, keep managing it, doing it like you do. But if you want me involved with this, then allow me to do something beyond what you think is even possible in your life. What are you doing with the not enough? How are you preparing for the miracle? It'll feel scary. It's challenging. But God knows what we need. I I love the way Jesus said it in Matthew 6, 31. So don't worry about these things. Worry, right? That's what we feel when we don't have enough. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? How will I pay for this next bill? How am I going to make it through? How am I going to live in retirement? What's on the horizon? All these questions we have, the worry. These things, this is what he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Who worries about stuff like that? Good thing none of us ever worry about finances, right? We're believers. We don't worry about this stuff. But it's this reminder that Jesus is, this is an indication of our heart, of our faith, and of our trust in God. God already knows your needs. Do you believe God knows your needs? Do you trust him in this? That's what the word says. And then he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Put God's kingdom first. Trust him, surrender it to him, and watch what he will do in your life. And the blessings that will come. I pray that we would learn as we begin this series and we understand, man, we are just financially shackled. Not just financially, what's in our wallet, but what's in our hearts. And that if we want to experience the freedom that can come, we have to begin to think about our surrender and saying, God, I'm just going to give you my not enough. I'm going to lay it down. And I want you to speak into it. I want to be obedient to you. Lord, I give it to you. And if we do that over these next several weeks, now we're going to be able to learn what God wants to do and how he wants to work through us. But as we wrap this up here, too, I want to just acknowledge that some of us, it's not about our finances, some of us feel like we're not enough. And sometimes we think of that because of our finances. We think, because I don't have this, or because I'm struggling, or because I'm not that person, or have this in my account, or live in that neighborhood, I'm not enough. And sometimes it has nothing to do with our finances, that we think we're not enough. For this world, for those around us, for God. And Jesus said, just bring it, lay it down. Surrender all of who you are, all these areas in your life where you think you're not enough, where your finances are not enough, and let me 
do something with that. Bring those five loaves, those two fish, and say, God, here it is. Work a miracle. Do something amazing, and let me see my faith just explode in ways I never dreamed possible. I want to close in prayer with us today and just want to begin this series by maybe even as you're sitting there, just open your palms up on your lap and just point them up to heaven as a way of surrender and saying, God, I want to give you and surrender my not enough. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these stories in your word, these things that happened in real times and places that just blow our minds. But Father, you haven't just been blessing and causing miracles 2,000 years ago. You are still doing it each and every day. Father, help us to have our faith stretched in this series, to trust you in ways we never have before. And in this area of finances where we can get so tight-fisted and closed and anxious and worried and stressed, Father, help us to release that to you. I pray, God, for the financial struggles and challenges that may be represented here in the space or in those listening online. Father, we need a miracle. We need breakthrough. We need your word. Thank you for not just leaving this area in our lives for us to figure out alone, but God, that you remind us that you are God and that we serve you. And Father, that you know our needs, each and every one, down to the last penny. Father, help us to trust you and to see you do amazing things in our lives because of our faith in you. We love you, Lord, and I pray that we would understand that you are enough, that you will break the chains, that you will set us free, and that you can put us on a path to freedom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.